on my first day ever of class. Not as a teaching assistant or a lab instructor, but my first day as instructor of record. This was back in 2008, the University of Connecticut. Lecture hall filled with 60 students, 80 students, something like that. First day, I open up PowerPoint as class is about to begin and I project to the screen and it's upside down. I'm trying to use a tablet computer so that I can write notes that way. And the tablet screen is flipped or rotated the wrong way. I don't remember what. But I have this huge projection upside down. And everyone in the class is giving me ideas to try and nothing's working. After five minutes, we're all just laughing. And finally, finally, I get it flipped the right way. What a start to my days as a so-called lecturer of physics. And here we are 12 years later. I've learned so much about teaching, about good practices, about education reform. I do some things really well, and there is a lot of room for improvement. I have so much yet that I can learn, but I also have so much that I can share. I've had days where students have applauded and days where students have revolted. I've snapped and lost my cool and have been rolling on the floor laughing with my students. Lessons have soared and lessons have flopped. I've taught some concepts wrong for years and had epiphanies while writing on the board. I get excited and animated when a student teaches me something new that I had never known before. And now we've both made a connection between physics and their field of study. I've tried to shake the sleep out of my students' eyes at 8 a.m. while my coffee has only just barely woken me up. I've tried to get students across the finish line at 9 p.m. I even once taught a 6 a.m. class where we all wore pajamas. I've taken far too many hours while writing a test, and then far too many hours while grading it. I've tried completely overhauling my grading system, and really, I wish I could just get rid of grades altogether. I've challenged authority. I've succeeded sometimes, and other times it hasn't gone as well. I've proposed new initiatives. Some have gone through, and some have been vetoed. I've marveled at the speed of institutional growth on some levels, and I've despaired by the countless roadblocks to reform. I've burned out. I've left the job for a new one, only to realize that one wasn't better, and left that one too. I want to be an amazing, inspiring, rigorous, fair, compassionate teacher. I love learning and helping my students learn. But I also don't want to burn out again. I want to have time to be with my family, and to climb mountains, and to make a podcast. I'm not willing to believe that these are mutually exclusive ideas. So I will keep talking to educators, reading articles and books, and trying new ways to be a better educator and a better person and find a balanced life where I don't take on too much or do work that isn't actually necessary to be a good educator. If anything above sounds like you, then I invite you to stick around. This podcast is for you. Welcome to Physics Alive. I'm Brad Moser, and I want to help fellow educators spark new life into the physics classroom. Each episode, I'll draw inspiration from the teachers, researchers, authors, and professionals who explore innovative learning, motivate new curricula, and encourage an inclusive and healthy classroom environment. This is it. This is it. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of Physics Alive. This is a podcast about education, about physics education. 
I have so many things that I want to share. I have so many things I want to learn. Over the years, I've learned so many fascinating ideas about physics education, about facilitating learning in the classroom. And there's so much I have yet to learn. There are so many ideas I haven't tried. There are so many people I haven't talked to. There are so many papers I haven't read. There's so much to learn, and I can't learn it all, and I can't do it all in the classroom. There's only so much that I can do, but I want to keep learning. I want to keep exploring, keep discovering, keep myself fresh, because then I can be the best version of myself each day that I step into the classroom. And that's what our students deserve, right? The best version of ourselves, the most knowledgeable, the most compassionate, the most understanding. So I'll keep striving for that. And I will go on this journey, and I want to share this journey with you. I want to share what I've learned and what I will learn. And yeah, let's go. Let's go along for the ride. Physics Alive. So who is this podcast for? Physics teachers. First and foremost, this is this is for those who are teaching, who are in the classroom, who are teaching online, who are just trying to help folks learn more about physics. Um, most of my background has been university teaching, so I will come from that perspective quite often. But this, of course, is just as valuable for high school teachers. And I have taught one year in high school, which is not nearly as much as many other folks, but uh, I, I know there are a lot of similarities in high school. There may be different things that one can do in that setting. There may be different restrictions. There may be different opportunities, uh, but teaching is teaching. This podcast is for physics teachers. But more broadly, it's just for teachers. Uh, maybe teachers in STEM will find more value in this, but I hope I will be approaching many topics that are beyond just STEM topics and are just going into teaching in general, the joy of teaching, compassion and mindfulness in, in teaching, how to offer a more inclusive classroom space, how to have fewer inequalities in the classroom. This podcast is for education researchers. Maybe you are not in the classroom, but you are researching what makes for good education, what makes for good learning. How do we humans learn best? So this is for education researchers as well. I will be learning so much from education researchers. Uh, and ultimately, this podcast is for students. Maybe Maybe they won't want to listen to it as much, but what we are doing here, what I am going to be talking about, the people I'm going to talk to, the topics I'm going to talk about, this is all for our students. So what are some outcomes for the show? What are some learning outcomes, learning objectives? I want to inspire and motivate. I want to inspire and motivate. We all thrive off of that. We can get into funks and 
uh, feel like what we're doing doesn't matter and we just can't really drag ourselves out of bed another day to try something new. But if we're feeling motivated, if we're feeling inspired to try something new or even to just go out there and keep doing what it has been that we've been doing because we've been so awesome at it. If we just have that inspiration and that motivation, we'll go out there and we'll keep living a great life. I want to help physics and science educators. What do I want to help them to do? I want to help make physics relevant for students. This will be a, a big theme of, of this podcast. How do we make physics relevant for students? There are so many students who are not just taking physics because they love physics, but because they've been asked to take physics, whether they have to because they're in high school, whether they have to because their major in college tells them they have to. So why are they in our classroom? What can they learn from us that will be helpful for them? Because if they feel that the topics are relevant, they may be more engaged. I want to help physics and science educators to learn and implement new teaching strategies. There are so many amazing ideas out there. There's modeling instruction, peer instruction, interactive lecture demonstrations, ranking tasks, and that's just to name a handful that I have used in, in my classroom. There are so many more that I've heard about. There's so many more that I know less about. There are so many I haven't even heard of. All these ideas are, are worth exploring and seeing which ones work for us because not all of them are going to work for each one of us. I want to help physics and science educators to learn and implement new curricula. One of the ones I'm most passionate about is Intro Physics for the Life Sciences. IPLS is an acronym you will hear a lot. For IPLS, what are they doing at the University of Maryland? What are they doing at Rockhurst University? What are they doing at the University of North Carolina? What are they doing at Swarthmore College? What about Portland State University? And these are just to name a few that I've had more contact with. There are so many others. There are so many programs that have been around for a long time. There are so many programs that are just starting. I want to help physics and science educators to start their teaching career. It's hard to get started. It's hard to keep going, but it's hard to get started. Where do you begin? So often in, in graduate school, we don't learn how to teach. There are programs out there. Uh, if your graduate school has them, programs about teaching and learning, I, I had the benefit of, of taking uh, a number of courses in a graduate program for, for teaching and learning in the classroom for college instruction. I had a chance to just scratch the surface and yet still I felt I was thrown into this this brand new world uh, in the classroom and I had to figure out so much for myself. It is hard to begin. But the, there are resources out there. There's help out there. There are folks who can lend a listening ear and who can remind remind you, remind all of us that we can't do everything all at once. We can never do everything. So we just do the best that we can. I want to help physics and science educators to be more mindful, compassionate teachers. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up into 
the struggles and challenges of our own career that maybe we forget about the challenges and struggles that our students are feeling. Uh, I think maybe that's come to light a little bit more in in this current era. Uh, I'm starting this as the world is in the COVID-19 pandemic. So there are different, maybe more tangible, more real struggles. But even when that time is over, we will still be struggling. Students will still have their own individual struggles. There are so many competing interests. And if we can just remember to be mindful and compassionate for ourselves, for our students, I think the world will be a better place. The classroom will be a better place. I want to help physics and science educators to find humor and levity, to find joy in teaching. That's something that is a particular strength of mine. I'm a goof. I can be silly. I feel comfortable letting loose in front of my students and just having fun with them. And that might not be your style. Or maybe it is something you can bring more of in the classroom. A little lightness. Maybe us not being so serious about what we're doing. I want to help physics and science educators to learn about current issues. There is so much there that I don't even have the vocabulary around that uh, I am only just beginning to, to learn about myself. What I understand is that I am a privileged white male in the United States, and I have far fewer struggles and uphill battles to face than many other folks out there. So I need to learn more about that so that I can be a more compassionate teacher, so that I can help make physics more relevant for students, for students who are not like myself. And doing all of this, I want to provide actionable steps and physical resources that teachers can actually use in the classroom. So I can talk about all this stuff, but at some point you need some materials in front of you so that you can actually do something. Like what, how do I even start this? What steps do I take? What resources are actually out there? How am I supposed to do this? This is great. I'm motivated. I'm inspired. Now what? I want to be able to provide those resources as well. I'm hoping that a lot of what gets talked about you'll be learning from, but I will point you to the many, many resources that are out there. Uh, my show notes will always be chock full of links to the work that these folks are doing that I'm talking to or talking about. What can you expect from each episode? That's a great question. I don't know what to expect. Uh, I'm just starting this. Who knows what's going to happen? I've got some ideas what it might look like. Uh, some shows will be solo where I'll just talk about topics that interest me. This might be a paper I've read, a book I've read, a topic that came up in a department meeting, something a student said. Some shows will be interviews, where I just ask questions and let the guests who know a heck of a lot more than I do about that topic speak about it to share their history, their story, their journey, and their resources, all of the things that they've learned and can share with us. Uh, and I'll be learning right alongside of you and getting excited right alongside of you. Episodes, maybe, say, 20, 20 to 40 minutes? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, maybe I'll have a particularly interesting interview and I want to share an hour of it. 
But 20 to 40 minutes sounds kind of like a nice benchmark that I'd like to go for. So we'll see if that happens. What are the topics that you're going to learn about? Physics Education Research, PER. That is an acronym you will hear plenty of. Active learning methods, books about education, recent articles from the physics teacher, from the American Journal of Physics, from other educational journals. Maybe I'll reach outside of physics, see what the chemists are doing, see what the biologists are doing, see what has been learned in, in psychology, uh, neuroscience, all sorts of interesting finding out, findings out there. So yeah, we're going to talk a lot about PER. Of personal interest to me is one I mentioned earlier, Intro Physics for the Life Sciences, IPLS. I have been involved with uh, some research I've, I've done along the way. And I've met a lot of the faculty who are, are working in this field. So I'll talk to IPLS faculty, authors, professionals, researchers. Uh, talk to the people who are using physics in their careers those professions that the students we are teaching are going into. What physics do they do when they're working in the hospital, when they're working in their practice, when they're working in a biology research lab? What are they doing there? What physics do they wish they knew more of that could have helped them more in their career, that would have gotten them more interested in their career and physics, and having them both uh, piggyback each other. I want to talk about well-being in education. Mindfulness and compassion. I mentioned those earlier. I, I have done some meditation in the past at Current. I could probably use more. I could definitely use more. So talking about mindfulness and what that can bring to our, to our teaching. Uh, compassion for our students, compassion for ourselves, for our colleagues. And talk about burnout. So many teachers experience burnout. I will say I've experienced some burnout, which has led to, I think, some a little bit of jumping around in my career as I, as I try to see what is going to work best for myself, for my family. Yeah, burnout is a very real topic. I want to talk about that. Talk about starting a career and how to ha find well-being, to find balance in a profession that I think may be notorious for not having a whole lot of balance. It's so funny that from the outside, folks looking at teachers often look and say, well, you get the whole summer off. You're not working very hard. You're just babysitting our kids. And yet, why are so many of us getting burned out, feeling exhausted, wanting to collapse when we get home or collapse in the middle of the day? This is not an easy career. I want to talk about physics being fun. Because physics is fun, right? We love it. We're excited by it. How can we transmit that fun to our students? Talking about the issues of the time. Gender and minority inequality. Talk about inclusivity. Physics is notorious 
for having gender and minority inequality. And again, I'm speaking as a privileged white male that has so much more to understand. I feel compassion for those around me, but I am sorely lacking skills of action. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Physics Alive. Why this name? It evokes many ideas in my mind. Originally, my first thought for this podcast was that it would focus on IPLS, Physics for the Life Sciences. So I thought about names like Living Physics. There's a, there's a portal named after that, the Living Physics Portal. So I thought maybe I shouldn't do that. What about Physics for Life? That sounded kind of nice. But then, you know, I have to make sure the website's around and that there aren't too many people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook with the same name. So that was around. So I kept thinking. Physics Alive is the next one that came out. So, all right. Physics talks about life. It can talk about life. That's one of the many aspects of it. But that was an important aspect for IPLS. So I thought, Physics Alive. But it also evokes bringing physics to life in the classroom. For far too long, many subjects, but certainly physics among them, has just been taught as chalk talk. As a professor standing at the board and going through an enormous amount of content and mathematics and filling the board with that math and lecturing at the students. And lecture has its place. I am not going to go on a rant against lecture. I've done that earlier in my career, and I'm, I'm stepping back from that because lecture has its place. There can be inspiring things to share with students, and there can be interest and passion that gets students excited. And many of us have learned well through lecture. At least we think we've learned well through lecture. We'll talk about that in episodes as well. But what are the other things we can do in the classroom? that we can bring physics to life, bring the students to life so they're not just sitting there frantically writing math that doesn't make any sense to them, which, by the way, is what happens a lot. They're scrambling to write math that doesn't make any sense. How can we approach our class so that that's not what they're doing, but that they are lively, interactive participants that are learning physics better? We'll talk about that. As for the logo... There's this kingfisher in a dive. How does that relate to physics alive? You can probably come up with some ideas. But I'll talk about my logo in a future episode. That might require either talking to individuals who have done a particular type of research, or, or maybe I'll summarize some interesting findings in a particular field uh, that is of interest to me. But I'll, I'll just leave that as a teaser and save a fuller look at that logo until later. I want to hear from you. I have things that interest me, but I also want to know what my listeners are into. I'm hoping I'll have listeners. So I want to know what you're interested in. What topics interest you? What stories do you want to hear? What articles do you 
not have time to read and maybe will let me read and talk about it and you'll just mooch off of that. That's perfect. That's what I'm here to do. Part of what I'm here to do. What teachers do you want to hear more from? Well, folks, if you heard talk at a conference and you wish you could hear them speak a little bit more, say a little bit more about their work. So yeah, reach out to me. Let me know what are some things you're interested in. Maybe you want to talk. Maybe you have some things you want to share. Reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. Let's do a podcast together. So who am I? Who am I to be starting this, this podcast? What kind of upstart am I? My name is Brad Moser. I grew up in the farmlands of Pennsylvania. I kind of liked math as a kid. I remember having a little notebook where I would make up my own mathematics. New symbols that had new functions than just addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Little did I know how many other functions were out there and how much more complex they would be than the ones I came up with. But, you know, I was seven or eight, so how, how complex could that be? Went to college at Lebanon Valley College, small liberal arts college in Pennsylvania. I had no idea what I wanted to do there. I knew I liked math, but I wasn't sure I wanted to major in math. Because I wanted to do math for a reason. And then I took a physics class my sophomore year. Dr. Michael Day. I will never forget being in that class. I sat in the back row. I mean, that's not usually where somebody who's interested in a class sits. But I was sitting with some of my friends. And they wanted to sit in the back. So I sat in the back. And I, had, I just remember being up on this top row and just looking out and feeling so inspired by the, the energy that came off of Dr. Day. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for all you did to get me into physics. I will always remember, remember you and be thankful for, for that. You retired a couple of years ago, I, I think now. Uh, well, well earned. I'm sure everybody's retirement is well earned, but yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate Dr. Day for helping get me into, into the field. So yeah, I became a physics major, and I thought already I was thinking then about uh, high school education. I wasn't sure what I would do with my physics major, and then somebody said to me, did you know that you can go to graduate school for free in physics? And I said, no, tell me more about that. And they did, and so I went to graduate school for free. I got paid to do it. I got paid to go to graduate school. Many of you know that, because that's what you're doing too, or did. I went to the University of Delaware, Earned my master's degree there. Went to University of Connecticut. Earned my PhD in physics there. I'll be talking more about these ideas over time. Um, the, the short story is that the days when I was waking up to do my physics research were hard days to get out of bed. I would drag myself out and get to campus late and try to find reasons to leave early. But then when I had a chance as a graduate student to teach one of the lecture sections, probably a great deal for the physics department. But I dove into that. Oh my gosh, I remember, remember having the peer instruction book in front of me. I remember having Randy Knight's Five Easy Lessons book in front of me as I sat till midnight in, in my grad office writing curriculum for the following day trying to make clicker questions and 
And then I would wake up early the following day. But I had so much energy for it. And I realized teaching is what I want to do. And I was just so fascinated by PER topics. Oh my gosh, I would just gobble that stuff up. Again, knowing that, I was like, I can't use it all. It's impossible. There's so much stuff. You have to kind of pick and choose what things work for you. I'm realizing that more over time. You have to pick the things that work for you. So learning so much, I, I just want to know more so I can bring more into the classroom. Not that I can do more, because that's certainly not what we want to do. We don't, don't want to do more. We don't want to fill up the time with more stuff. But there is so much more we can bring to our teaching, so much more that we can learn about ourselves, about learning from all of those who are around us. So I got my first job at the University of New England in 2010 after I finished my PhD. And at that time, I remember going into that and I considered it my, my dream job. Uh, it was a lecturer appointment. So I didn't have to do the whole tenure track thing. I didn't have, I didn't have to do research. I know I wanted to take a stab at doing some PER type of research. That wasn't what my graduate degree was on. That wasn't even an option at the University of Connecticut. I probably would have switched to it if it was there, but it wasn't. So, you know, I finished my, my traditional research PhD, but I knew I wanted to learn more about education research. So I went to the University of New England. So excited to work with Dr. Jamie Visenka. Um, and he has been such a, a mentor and a friend for so many years. But having a chance to move into a classroom that was already doing what I had just been beginning to learn was a better way to approach the class. It was a studio-style classroom, eliminating the separation between lab and lecture. So instead of three one-hour lectures each week and a separate three-hour lab with different lab instructors, possibly, than the lecture instructor, instead we met in the classroom with our students for three hours at a time, twice a week, or two hours at a time, three times a week. There was no lab or lecture anymore. Instead, we were always in a classroom space with laboratory equipment. The students were always sitting in groups. So there was this opportunity to flow seamlessly between so-called lecture content and laboratory exp exploration and group problem solving and clicker questions and this and that and everything. This, the, the space allowed for this freedom. So I taught at the University of New England for, for eight years. And then I think that's when the burnout struck. I, and who's to blame? Do we pass blame? On one hand, I could say it was all my fault. I was the one who had energy flowing through me and was throwing myself at so many different projects. I was wanting to present at conferences and do so much for my physics classroom and was getting involved in committees and being chair and co-chair on committees. There was so much that I wanted to participate in. I was so excited to do so. 
And I think it just wore me down. And I felt a need for change. And I started a family. My wife and I decided we were going to have a little one. So we had a child and uh, there was a lot of impetus to for, for change for so many reasons. And I ended up accepting a position at Deerfield Academy in, in central Massachusetts, western Massachusetts. Uh, we were a lot closer to my wife's family. But that role wasn't the right one for me. And I moved on to Hamilton College since then. I am now a lab technician and physics instructor in a physics department with a thriving physics major. At a college with only about 2,000 students, to have a physics major that's graduating 20 or more students a year, this is a thriving department. And I've, I've come into a space where I'm getting to teach introductory labs to, to majors, getting to teach uh, quantum mechanics lab to majors and setting up experiments. And it's just been a very nice transition for me. This, is, this position has been a great fit. And it's also allowed me to have a little bit of time to start thinking about education research again. To do so in a way that's not burning me out. So here I am, ready to have these conversations with folks to learn more and to share that. To learn more for myself, to share it with my colleagues at Hamilton College, to share it with colleagues around the globe, to share it with you, to get you inspired, excited, motivated, so much as possible. So as I end this first episode, maybe take a few deep breaths together. If you're at a place that you can pause and close your eyes, do so. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. So just taking a deep breath in and out. Breathing in. And breathing out. Can we relax the nervous system? Can we find peace and joy in the moment that we're in? Can we bring that to ourselves, to our family, to our students, to our colleagues, to everyone around us? Can we bring mindfulness and peace and joy and humor, and levity, and passion, and excitement. Is that asking too much of ourselves? Or in giving it to ourselves, and then in the process giving it to everyone around us, is that, is that a better way to live? This has been the inaugural episode of Physics Alive. I thank you for listening, and I do hope you come back each week, every other week, each month. I have no idea how often I'm going to to do this podcast, but please come back.
and listen to more. And let's continue on our physics education journey together. Be well.